Well, good morning. I'm so glad you guys could be here with us today, and welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I'm so glad for the technology and the cameras and the internet that allows us to be together on a Sunday morning, even when we can't make it down here. Man, that construction. I'm hoping it's going to be over soon. Like, it's so hard. We keep joking that all of the people who are here really want to be here, so we're really grateful for that, that you guys are here. We love that. But, you know, that's okay if you're watching online. Nothing wrong with that. We're glad you're here. For those of you who don't know me or who have forgotten, because it's been a minute, I'm Pastor Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam, and uh, I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Let's pray. Let's, let's get into the Word. Let's pray, and let's see what God has for us today. Heavenly Father, you're so good. Lord, we're coming into a new season. Not yet, it's still summer, but we're thinking about it. School has started. So many new things going on around us, Lord. Thank you that you are the God who makes all things new. Pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts today, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, that we would meet with you, that we would come away different for having met you. In your name we pray, amen. We are starting a new series today. Often in September, we start sort of a back-to-basics sort of series, one where we try to recall what are some of the more elementary things. It's a good way for, if you're new to the faith, something that you can come in on. And for those of us who have been in a bit longer, it's just a good way to remind ourselves. And our series today is called The Four Elements, which is kind of a weird name. But um, it comes from ancient philosophy. And, And in fact, ancient philosophy and ancient science really overlapped a lot. They didn't have things like the scientific method or, you know, beakers or boilers. So they, a lot of science was just a lot of thinking. So a lot of ancient science and ancient philosophy are really the same thing. The ancient Greeks, in fact, even the ancient Indians, um, the country of India, to be clear, I'm not being politically incorrect, the the country known today as India, viewed the world as being composed of four elements. There were four basic elements to everything, humans and rocks and trees and cats and, well, not cars at that point, but the four elements were fire, water, earth, and air. And this is an idea that that kicks around, and in fact, it, it stuck around pretty prominently right up until quite prominently in the Middle Ages, and starting in the the Renaissance in Europe, it started to wane as we discovered some more and more things. But if you've ever heard the idea, think about medieval medicine. Have you ever heard the term bloodletting? Right? The idea that someone was sick and so you'd let blood out of them. Do you remember why they did that? They had this really weird phrase that means nothing to us today. In fact, it sounds very strange. They talked about balancing the humors. Does that ring any bells? Right? The idea of balancing the humors? Well, that was this idea. The humors were these four elements, the fire and the air and the earth and the water, and that when you were bloodletting, you were letting, you had too much of one of them in your body, and you were letting one of them out, and you were bringing these elements back into the proper balance in your body, which is an interesting and strange idea for us today. And there was a certain truth to the idea that we are composed of elements, Right? I mean, we know today that everything is composed of elements, though we know that there aren't four, there are well over a hundred, and we call them atomic elements. We talk about hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, etc. But the idea that the whole world is made up of four elements is a familiar and easy one to understand. In fact, many personality types divide humans into four types. 
there's one that's reasonably well-known called the DISC, D-I-S-C. And sometimes that test is represented by four animals, and these are the personality types. A lion, an otter, a beaver, and a golden retriever. Myers-Briggs, which is the most popular and well-known personality type assessment, has 16 profiles, but they use four variables to achieve it. And in the same way that we use personality types to help us see and understand people, and in the same way that the ancients used the four elements of fire, water, earth, and air to understand everything about the world, there are also elements to what we do in church that help us to understand how the rest of our lives should look as Christians. What we do in church is a microcosm. It's a tiny version of what our whole lives as Christians is supposed to look like. So the four elements that we're going to be looking at to help guide us and reorient our lives toward Christ are these. Praise, word, service, and prayer. So this week we're going to be focusing on the first element of the church service, the announcements. Very polite laughter, thank you. No, we're talking about praise this week. So let's look, at, let's look at the microcosm, the tiny version, and then we'll look at the big picture. So what is praise in the context of church? Well, what comes first to mind is that it's the singing time. We refer to this as praise and worship. Now, it's, it's broader than that, right? We could, we could pretty reasonably argue that just being here is an act of praise, But that's kind of the lens that we're going to look at it through. It's sort of our element for this week, so let's stick to that aspect of it for now. Praise is, of course, a major theme in the Bible. There are many examples of it. Some are songs, like Miriam and the Israelites singing to God after the army of Egypt was destroyed in the Red Sea. Some are simply spoken prayers. They don't rhyme and they aren't set to music, but they are expression of grateful and loving hearts toward the great God. The greatest example is the entire book of Psalms. Most of these songs were written by David, though many weren't, and your Bible will probably have a note about who wrote which one. There are so many great Psalms of praise to God, and I had to pick just one because otherwise we'd be here all day. So let's read Psalm 33, just to give us sort of an idea, maybe set the mood a little, maybe we can lower the lights. I don't know. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. 
From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. We can see so much of what praise is just from this one psalm. Look at the different elements. It extols the greatness of God. It proclaims the great works that he has done. It elevates him above all the worries of this life. It calls us to greater loyalty and service to God. And that is what we do during the praise time at church. We do this in church primarily by singing, by declaring the praises of God and declaring our loyalty to God with our voices, usually set to music. But not only is it about declaring praises and declaring loyalty, think about some of the language that we use around the worship time. Preparing our hearts is a big one. We hear that a fair bit. It's sometimes mixed with the metaphor of tilling soil as preparation for hearing the word. Or think of all the language that we hear in worship around connecting with God, meeting with him, receiving from him, giving our worries and cares to him. That sounds a whole lot like 2 Peter 5, 7, doesn't it? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Well, that's what we're doing in church. That's the idea. Let's blow out, though, because praise isn't something that we just do in church. It's something that we as Christians should be doing all week long. Praise isn't something that we do only on Sunday. Praise is something that we're doing all of the time. And it doesn't have to mean singing. For sure, you can throw on some worship music in your car and sing the praises of the Lord while you're trying to get through Osborne Village. You can put praise music on while you wash dishes or sweep the floor. But singing isn't the only way that we praise God. In fact, we could talk about six different ways that people connect with God. Music and singing is only one of them. Maybe you're the kind of person who doesn't connect with God through singing. And that's totally fine. Some people connect with God by being out in nature taking in the beauty and glory of the creation and connecting with the Creator. Others feel closest to God when they are serving, doing God's work and loving people through their actions. Some people need to be alone. You could lock these people in a prayer closet for weeks at a time, and if you left them alone, they'd be incredibly close to God. Just like the whole time, they'd be great. For others, that sounds like cruel and unusual punishment. But some people... You stick them in a Bible study with other people in a prayer time, with a, with a prayer group, or on a serving team, somewhere that they're in relationship with other people while they're connecting with God, and then sparks fly. Some people need to be in relationship while they can pursue God. Still others don't connect so much with music, but you give them a good sermon, a good book of theology, a history of the church, something that gets their mind engaged and makes their intellect chase after God, and these people will be laying prostrate at the feet of God in no time. We had our quarterly worship team meeting this week, 
and we spent part of the evening sharing meaningful moments of worship. And it was very interesting for me to listen to the different moments that people shared and to have this framework floating around in my head, right? It was sort of, oh, that's an interesting story. You're clearly this kind of person. Oh, that's interesting. You must be this kind of person. That's, and that's great. But the important thing to take away from this is that praising God and connecting with God isn't only about singing. Fundamentally, praise is about focus on God. Think about that last song that we sang, Hosanna. In church, we sing about turning to God, about facing Him. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. There's a spider on the stage. Sorry, <laughs> squirrel. Singing about turning to God is praise, but so is the act of turning to God later in your week. This is modeled for us in the Psalms as well. Many of the Psalms are David or whoever, but mostly David, crying out to God, begging him to rescue them, to save them, to not abandon. You can especially see this in the Psalms that David writes while he's on the run from Saul. Psalm 31 is a great example of this. David spends the first 13 verses crying out to God, begging to be saved and not forgotten. But then something happens in verse 14, and it starts with the word, but. But I trust in you, Lord. And suddenly, the psalm shifts. Instead of focusing on what's against David, he starts to focus on God. He begins to praise God, and the psalm ends with David proclaiming the faithfulness and goodness of God. He's got this great line toward the end that I just couldn't shake. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. How's that for imagery? How's that for feeling overwhelmed and crushed from every side, but seeing the goodness of God through it? I really encourage you to read Psalm 31 this week, especially if you're going through something hard right now. And this example is something that we can follow in our own lives all throughout the week. This week, tomorrow, maybe on the ride home from church, to be a people of praise, we don't have to burst into song at every moment, but to focus on God, to remember with gratitude how He has saved us before, and to have that faith that He will again. That when you're up against something, anything, whether it's those darn kids again, or the report that's due, or the textbook that will not reveal its arcane secrets, make that shift. Turn from what's focusing what's in front of you to focusing on He who is greater, I don't promise that this will fix your problems. I don't. David still had to run from Saul, even after he wrote that psalm. But I do promise that if you focus on God, you will face those problems differently. This is the amazing thing about praise. It's not something that's confined to church. Yes, we do it at church, and yes, our praise at church is a guide, a lens through which we see the rest of our week. But think about how much more week you have than your time at church. Praise isn't just something that we do on Sunday. Praise is an attitude, a response to life and God, and it's something that we can have all the time. You don't need a band to praise God. You don't even need music. When you see something amazing like a sunset or a particularly beautiful tree or a work of art, take that sense of wonder and turn it to God. God, what an amazing world you've made. Thank you for letting me see this. Thank you for life. 
Bring God into all of your moments of joy. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every moment of your life is a gift from God. So whatever you're feeling, you can bring God into it. He's worthy of our praise. He is good. And when the moments aren't good, when they're hard, when you're struggling, we can bring God into that moment too. We can share our struggles with God. Let Him in. It's not like He doesn't know anyway. He can see into your heart, so just bring it. Be honest with Him. He can take it. He's big enough. But then, like David, make the turn and praise God and see the difference that it makes. The last thing that I want to share this morning is the connection between praise and action. Just show of hands, how many of you grew up in church? Show of hands, did you grow up in church? How about, did you go to a Christian camp as a kid? Did you go to a Christian camp as a kid? Did you ever sing songs that had actions? Yeah? Okay, lots, good. Do you have a favorite? Call one out. Do, do any spring to mind? No, it's, of course it's that moment, right? Like, he, he asked, and now I have nothing. I've never been to camp in my life, right? And I wonder if you can think of one of those songs that had the actions and that you love to do, and I wonder if you could do it right now. One of my favorites was 12 Men Went to Spy on Canaan. <laughs> 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants strong and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Two saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. You know why I like that song? Because then you do it really, really fast. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw strong and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters Two saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Ta-da! I really like the songs that made you have to go fast. It was really fun. But what about some other songs? Here's a, here's a, tell me you were a Christian in the 90s without telling me you were a Christian in the 90s. Do you remember, Lord, I lift your name on high? Do you remember that song had actions, right? We would sing, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. You got to get the hips in. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Right? There's something deeply satisfying about enacting our worship physically. I know it seems a little juvenile, but like it's fun, right? It's doing, it's doing actions. It's fun. And there's something full about it. Here's what I want you to think about. Every song of praise that we sing has actions that go with it. Every single one. But not every song's actions happen while you sing it. The actions to this song happen when you leave church. We live out these words as we go about our weeks. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is your health and salvation. We sing the words now, but we have to do the actions later. So we're going to sing some more now. We're not just going to sing one song. I don't know if you noticed, our worship time was a little short this morning. But as far as I'm aware, none of these songs have actions for you to do now, though maybe Ashley is a surprise for us. Uh, okay, good. Well, maybe good. 
But remember that these songs do have actions for you to do. But they happen tomorrow. They happen on Tuesday. They happen this afternoon. So connect with God. Meet with God. Give Him what's been hard this week and praise Him for what's brought you joy. Let's be a people of praise together. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, you're so good to us. You've given us so many good things. Like the Bombers winning yesterday, Lord. Praise you for that, God. It's good to win the Banjo Bowl. We love that. But Lord, you know, we we can joke and kid about all the little things that are good, but you give those to us too and you take joy in that. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for everything. Please keep you at the forefront of our minds this week. Help us to be a people who love you, who praise you, who want to be with you all the time. In your name we pray. Amen.